Welcome to a God Shift podcast, where we move you from disruption and delay into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. I'm your host, Shana Rattler, and I'm a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. Join myself and other leaders who unapologetically share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. You will learn how to bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, and uncertainty, and unlock the door to confidence move into your next chapter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A God Shift. I am your host, Shana Rattler, and I am so happy that you are here. I would love if you would do me a favor before we get started. I want you to take a screenshot of wherever it is that you are listening to this episode and post that screenshot on your social media. When you do, I just need you to do two simple things. Number one, tag us here at A God Shift. And then number two, I just want to hear your biggest aha or your biggest takeaway from this episode. I do that because my primary mission is to make sure that people recognize that whatever it is that they're going through, that there is hope on the other side of that. And the more times that these episodes get shared, the more that we can make sure that we're all doing our part to make sure that people recognize that there's hope on the other side of their disruption. I'm excited about my conversation today. We're going to have a conversation about a topic that is becoming more and more prevalent. I don't know that it's coming more and more prevalent, but it's getting more and more attention in our society today. And I really look forward to shedding some light on those situations and how we can find hope even in those forms of disruption. So here we go. I am going to read my guest bio and hope I say his name right because he told me how. So my guest today is a screenwriter, film director, and author who has lived and worked in Latin America, Australia, and the United States. In 1988, he founded Messenger Films, a nonprofit film production company. He studied English literature at Harvard University and also studied film and television at NYU and the Art Center College of Design. He currently lives in St. Paul, Minnesota. I want to welcome to the show. Let me get this right. Cristobal Cruzen. How'd I do? You did. You did okay. Okay. I got close. Nothing else. Yeah, you got definitely got close. So, Chris, I'm going to kind of set the stage for this conversation before we get into the story. So the name of all of my platforms is called a God shift. And my definition of a God shift is the moment a disruption in your life collides with God's purpose. But then that moves you into greater dimensions of possibility, because one of the things that I have learned about God is that he's very specific in what it is that he uses in our lives to get our attention. What it's going to take to get your attention is not going to be what it's going to take to get our attention. But everything that he uses in our lives to get our attention is actually an invitation to invite us into the life that he has planned for us. So before we get into our topic today, I would love if you could just share with the audience the time that you've actually had to overcome disruption in your own life to get to where it is that you are today. Well, I think the main subject that we're we're talking about mental health uh, became so personal to me as a father when my son uh, my firstborn child uh, began showing signs of mental instability and it was eventually diagnosed as schizophrenia mm. and he was still a teenager he was uh, just barely 
16, going on 17. And this was just very disruptive, obviously, and incredibly painful um, and very difficult to navigate. I had no, you know, no, no secret um, uh, sauce to fix the problem as much as I wanted to wave a wand over it all and have it go away. And I had, as a, as a Christian father, and by the way, I became a believer at the age of 29. I did not grow up in the church. So when I became a believer at the age of 29, had my son at the age of 30, I mean, I was ready to rock and roll. I was going to, with my son, you know, we were going to turn the world upside down for Christ, you know, in a good way. And yeah, I, I just... I taught him Bible verses uh, right from the beginning. He was quoting the Bible at the age of two, and he was an incredibly good athlete, a handsome young man. I mean, I just thought everything was the way it should be for a bright future. And then this happened, and it was very uh, disruptive, very, very disruptive. Yeah. And so then you know, the question of, well, where is God in this mm. you know, became very real to me. and. A daily, a daily question that I wrestled with. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like, what did you learn during that process? Because that's tough. You know, one, it, it's always tough. Anytime something doesn't go the way that we planned it to go, it can always be tough. I say all the time that one of the hardest things to let go of is what we had in mind. But you you have these plans for your son's life. You have this plan for what it is that you all are going to do together for the kingdom. And I imagine that you have to be asking, okay, now how do we accomplish all of that with this obstacle of schizophrenia? So you, you're finding God in the midst of this. And so what did you learn during this process? I learned to hold on and not let go. Um, mm -hmm. Hold on to God, right? And not let go. To trust him. Um, regardless of what you might see, regardless of circumstances, you know, to not grow faint, just to not give up and hold fast to him. That's the main thing I learned. I also learned that we are, we have the opportunity, and you said it earlier, being invited into God's presence, uh, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, the suffering that came upon me was also an invitation yes. to draw closer to God. Yeah. That would not have been as real and meaningful if everything had been peaches and cream, I suppose, right? Yeah. It was the suffering. It was the suffering that drew me to God in the in the sense that where else could I go but God, you know? You know, when I was um when I'm talking with clients, especially on my television show, and I'm saying, you know, we're, we're trying to uncover why did God use what he chose to use? Because I say that, you know, I'm not the type of person that if you want to get my attention, that you can just whisper at me or tap me on the shoulder. You have to do something a little more radical, a little more alarming to get my attention. And so my first God shift moment was when the Lord was calling me to ministry, he allowed everything around me to dry up. My business dried up. My relationships dried up. Everything that I felt like I knew that was giving me, you know, comfort and joy dry, dried up because had it not of, I would have never paid attention to the fact that he was calling me to ministry. And I believe that sometimes the reason why 
he uses this dis- disruption is not only to invite us into what he has for us, but it's to give us an opportunity to come closer to him. So when, when you look back in your life, do you feel like God was not getting your full attention, that you weren't as committed to time with him? And this was this was something that he used to kind of bring you in or how? why do you feel like he, he used this in your life? Because I, I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that 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 uh, that you know I, I didn't I don't think I was drifting from God at that point in my life. Okay. But I, what I think was happening is that I, if I may say so, I kind of had a superficial understanding. Wow. Of God, you know, and God said, "No, it's deeper. It's deeper." And just as the Apostle Paul, he didn't just pray to know the power uh, or experience the power of the resurrection. He also prayed to have the fellowship of his sufferings, the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. That was a prayer. That's, that's <laughs> how, you know, are we willing to, to pray that, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Yeah. Um, so, and furthermore, I, I have to tell you, because I was reading the Bible, and again, being a new Christian, I was just soaking it all up. You know, it was just, it was new to me, reading yeah. the Bible and just, I said, well, Paul wrote this. I, I need to pray this too. <laughs> I need to pray to understand or experience the fellowship of his sufferings, as well as the power of his resurrection. And, and doesn't it say in, in one of the Peters, I don't remember if it's first Peter or second Peter, it says something to the, I'm going to paraphrase after mm-hmm. you suffer a while, yes. that's when I'm going to strengthen you and settle you. And I don't remember the rest of it, but I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, I do. I think he said after you suffer a little while. Yeah. It's always relative, right? Right. <laughs> Subjective <laughs> as to what a while is. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yes. So let's switch to this conversation a little bit more about mental health. I read in your press kit that your team sent me, there was a statistic about how many people are actually suffering from Mm. mental illness in today's age. Can you share a little bit about the numbers? Yeah, it's as high as one out of four uh, people worldwide um, have some sort of mental disorder. Now, it may not be severe mental illness. Well, it's not. That is not, you know, severe mental illness is what my son It's uh, the schizophrenia having to be institutionalized. But, you know, um, mental disorders, uh, anxiety, perhaps, um, some level of depression, um, Mm -hmm. OCD, uh, different aspects of what could be called mental illness. You know, I heard someone say to me recently, I just really appreciate that this perspective. She said, we're all concerned about our physical health. We should also be, all of us should be concerned about our mental health too. We all have mental health. We all have physical health. We all have mental health. And so it doesn't surprise me to learn that that many people would have some degree of mental health concern, you know. And our mental health is what drives our physical health. So I have a degree in occupational therapy. And one of the things that we learned in many of our psychology classes is it's, it's called psychosomatic. And when we actually are experiencing things mentally and our thoughts are fixated on certain things mentally, it actually can have physical manifestations in our body. And so dare I say, you know, if you want to talk about chicken or egg, 
I believe that our mental health is more important than our physical health because our thoughts drive our beliefs, our beliefs drive our actions and our actions become our reality. And so if you want to ensure that you have good physical health, yeah, you can get on a treadmill all day, but if you have stinking thinking at a, at a minor level, because many of us struggle with things like that, whether or not we have a diagnosis in the DSM or not. Right. And so I believe that it's, it's even more important for us to make sure that our mental health is up to par so that we can ensure that our lives are driven by the right thoughts. And then we don't, you know, our mental health, our physical health doesn't have to suffer because what it, whatever it is that's going on internally in our minds. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said. So we're going to take a quick break, Chris. And when we come back, I want us to talk a little bit more about how, when someone finds themselves in the middle of a, um, I don't want to say mental health crisis, because to your point, everyone's mental health, um, issues, if you will, are not already to the point of crisis. But I want to come back and share a little bit more about how we can handle navigating these difficult waters. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the free guide, When God Says Shift. Inside, you'll discover the four shifts required to reveal God's plan to ditch disruption or delay and get his blessings faster. Head to GodSaysShift.com to access it now. All right. Welcome back. So today we're talking about mental health and how mental health is absolutely a disruption in not only the lives of the person that is suffering from the mental health, but those around them that are suffering as a result of that as well. One of the things that I believe, Chris, is that any disruption in our lives can actually be used as a tool to shift our lives into a better place if we know how to respond appropriately to it. And so when we're looking at mental health, what do you see are some of the most common barriers that actually prevents us from being able to use it as a positive tool instead of something that gets us stuck? Well, uh, one of the first things I would mention is the uh, sweep it under the carpet syndrome. Mm. You know, don't talk about it. Excuse me. Don't talk about it. It's it's shameful. Um, it's embarrassing. No, no, a thousand times no. Don't don't go there. If you fell down and broke your leg, you'd go to a doctor, right? You you'd seek help. Um, and absolutely, we need to reach out and. You know, hopefully find somebody, you hopefully know somebody, but if you don't, you have to, I guess, reach out to a therapist or find professional help, just somebody to talk to who will be understanding. And then I would add to all of that, undergirding it, even before it, is cultivate an attitude of prayer uh, and worship and dependence on God and just remember that he is with you. you know, reach for his hand. Reach mm-hmm. for God's hand. You know, figure, figuratively speaking, reach for his hand. Hold on to him and, and ask him to help you get shame. through. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't want to interrupt. No, I'll just say ask him to help you get through through it. You know? 
you know, you talked about the shame and I may be wrong, but my guess would be that if we're drawing a parallel to what happens in our physical bodies versus what happens um, to our mental health, that there's probably a knee jerk reaction to assume that it's just because there's something wrong with you. Maybe you're not worthy or you did something to deserve this because, you know, it's real easy to be like, oh, I broke my leg. I probably just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> you know, oh, I have a I have a cold. Oh, everybody gets a cold. You know, oh, yeah. I have diabetes. Oh, well, that just runs in my family. But when it comes to mental health, I can imagine because I, I, I believe that mental health is is as much, if not more of a spiritual battle than it is anything else else in our lives. And I believe that it's a trick of the enemy to convince us that if we're struggling in our mental health, it's because somehow God has forsaken us. Somehow there's something wrong with us and we weren't worthy to have a quote unquote normal life. Do you, have you experienced that in your walk with this journey? Um, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No question. Um, And even still today, my son, Daniel, I mentioned he was a teenager when he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and then had to be institutionalized at the age of 18. Mm -hmm. He's 40 years old now. And all through these years, there's been that, that, um, well, let's just call it a cloud, you know, or, or the kind of whisper thing, (laughs) perhaps, you know, that goes on the background. Well, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with that family? And, um, but I don't worry about those things now. Not at all. I don't worry. I don't even think about it. I just try to um, embrace life as best I can and love other people. And, and I really try not to judge other people who, you know, what, whatever their condition might be. It's, um, we're called to walk in love and treat others with respect and honor, dignity. I find often that people who are suffering from mental illness, severe mental illness included, more often than not, the first thing they look for in interacting with another person is, are you going to treat me as you would anyone else? Are you going to just, you know, be normal with me and treat me as another person be is it possible you might even become my friend yeah uh, are you actually going to listen to to me <laughs> and i think that's key and that's a lesson that everyone can take away from this because there's such a stigma that is associated with mental illness and i fortunately i grew up in the house with an aunt that was down syndrome and schizophrenic mm-hmm. very unique <laughs> you know combination But it was normal to me. So I didn't grow up with that same stigma. And so at the end of my journey of occupational therapy school, I did a three-month rotation in mental health. And I worked at this, it wasn't really a facility, but I worked at this place where the residents there were dually diagnosed. So they had substance abuse and mental illness. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I learned is that I would come to work in the morning and they would just be lined up outside of my office to talk to me. But the counselor who worked there, they avoided her like the plague and she didn't like it. And I told her one day, I said, you know, the difference between the way that you're addressing these individuals and the way that I'm addressing them is that I treat them like a person. And you're treating them like what it is that they're dealing with. And, you know, you can't wait to take away a privilege like their children. And I had one of the young ladies say to me, 
it was either her last day there or my last day there. And she said, out of all of my friends and family and professionals that I've been around all these years that I've been struggling with mental health, she said, Shana, you're the very first person that's ever treated me like Portia. That was her name. You've never treated me like what it is that I that I have is the way that she described it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is one of the key takeaways before we get into talking about this fabulous movie of yours is that whatever it is that people have been diagnosed with, recognize that they're a person first Absolutely. and interact with them exactly like you would any other person that doesn't have that same level of diagnosis, especially in the beginning, because we have a tendency to talk to them like in this baby voice or dumb down our words. Like we think that they don't have a vocabulary. Like it's just all of these crazy things. And it all becomes um, from a place of lack of a, a lack of understanding. So start off just treating this individual like a person, like a human being and learn who they are. And then you'll learn how to communicate with them, where you might need to push, where you might need to pull back, just like you would anyone else. Couldn't agree with you more. Very, very beautifully said. Very well said. So, Chris, you founded Messenger Films and you have a new film that is out called Let Me Have My Son. Tell me about that. Well, it chronicles the story of my son and uh, his father, me. (laughs) But I it's semi autobiographical. I fictionalize it. It's, It's inspired by the actual events. It's not a documentary. It's a drama. I change names. I create some characters that are composite characters or completely fictitious characters. But I also tell a a fair amount of the actual story, the real story and the facts of the story. And uh, there's a prologue at the beginning, which I think kind of summarizes my approach to the film and the story. There's this voiceover at the beginning. It's the voice of a man. He says, can I tell you the story of my son? Mm. Well, perhaps more to the point, the story of his father. Then the voice says, a good bit of what you're about to see is true as it happened, but more is true as to how it felt. (laughs) And more than that is true, I suppose, of how it will be. And that kind of sets us up for, okay, there's a, there's, a, there's a connection to reality in the story. But then what do you mean more is more? Not, not equally, <laughs> but more of the movie is about how it felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and more than that of how it will be. And as you, as you go through the movie and follow the father, the father is really the, the main character who's trying to make sense in a way of his son's suffering and mental illness. And he gets a phone call, a mysterious phone call to come to the hospital very early in the morning to pick up his son who's being discharged, which seems a little odd. Uh, and, uh, but he, he goes to the hospital, but then he can't find his son. His son isn't there. And that sets off a search through this huge hospital complex and he meets all sorts of characters, and he's on a desperate search to find his son and trying to make sense of it all. And at the end, he 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 gets his questions answered. I'll put it that way. I don't want to give away the film. Yeah, but yeah. So it's a drama, really, um, and it it delves into the surreal in many places. Um, again, trying to express what it felt like 
That's awesome. So how can our listeners follow you on social media? Well, on social media, you know, you can see I have gray hair. (laughs) I struggle with social media, to be honest. I need to find young people like you to help me. (laughs) Uh, But I, I, um, well, messengerfilms.com, the movie website, letmehavemyson.com. I'm on Facebook, Cristobal Cruzen, C-R-I-S-T-O-B-A-L, Cruzen, K-R-U-S-E-N.com. I have my own website that I don't go to nearly enough, (laughs) CristobalCruzen.com. Um, you know, I don't tweet much at all, but maybe I can find somebody who can help me, you know. Yeah, I don't <laughs> But how can we uh, find the movie? That's the most important thing. How can we watch this film? Yeah, go to letmehavemyson.com. The, the title of the movie, no spaces all together, letmehavemyson.com. And you'll see how to watch, you know, where right now it's being shown exclusively on a virtual cinema platform that should uh, go through the first week or so of July, uh, through July 4th, um, and perhaps beyond. But there there won't be a gap. In other words, uh, once that virtual premium pay-per-view window ends, it'll become available on the other streamers and so forth, the other platforms like, you know, Amazon and so forth. Right. Perfect. Well, I'm going to make sure that the links to all this are in the show notes. So all they have to do is click it. Mr. Cruzen, thank you so much for being here today and shedding light on a much misunderstood topic that is very, very prevalent in our society. So thank you for sharing your nuggets, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode. Share, share, share. And I pray that you will go back and listen to previous and future episodes as well. Everyone have a great day. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.